This is Our Point with Zach and Carmen. Hello. Hello. How's it oh going? my god. Oh my god, it's so good. I have a story I have been waiting to share with you until you called me. And I tried calling you this weekend and no answer. It was very rude. You did. I was I was very popular this weekend. And there wasn't even like a callback. There wasn't even a text like, hey, I missed your call. Do you need something? Zero I just, things. I assumed that you just called me on the way home from the cabin and that we would Talk well, your today, assumption but. was right, but um, let me tell you about my story. So, My apologies. You're welcome. Before I get started on my story, I'm drinking a Bud Light for all those people. I had a listener, get this, make fun of me for drinking Bud Lights. Who would do that? M- mean people. People that oh. are mean. I don't want to say it was a family member, but it was. <laughs> so they know who I mean, they did are. Did they think it was too trashy, or what did they... Oh, I mean, they, I mean, basically that my palate isn't very developed, I think, was the overriding. Ah. Mm-hmm. I then let them know that I'm going to be bringing the article that talks about how Bud Light pairs with everything. So <laughs> everybody get prepared. That is coming. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Corona because I had some leftover corn dip, also known as <sighs> Susie Frioli corn dip. And I that's what I had as a little snack during our pre-pod meeting. Oh, I'm so jealous. Conveniently, during our pre-pod, pre-pod meeting, I didn't see you eat any of it because then I would have wanted some. So thank you for that. Uh, okay, uh, fine. I finished it before the meeting. <laughs> okay. Um, are you ready for the story? I'm ready for the story. So I would say most, well, I'm going to say a chunk of the pod knows that I am a Garth Brooks fan. Love Garth Brooks. I've seen him in concert 16 times. Already have my 17th concert on the books. I am ready. But Garth is apparently the only artist in the world who has a brain and thought, you know what I should do? Have a concert, aka a pre-recorded video that I probably already have stored somewhere in my closet and charge people $100 a car to go to a drive-in movie theater and watch it. it." So I, of course, all for it. I mean, I can't not support my struggling local artist. <laughs> and so, okay. So I'm getting on pre-sale for the the tickets. Is that like Friday at noon? And so I'm already, I get in my queue early. So I'm waiting in line on the internet starting at 10. It comes up. Obviously, I score tickets because I'm a wizard at getting through his queue lines. And the most you're able to buy is two vehicles, right? So they charge like one ticket per vehicle. So it's $100, $100 per car. Okay. So I got the maximum allotment of two vehicles and I go to the next page where I'm ready to, to enter my credit card information and check out because it's not going, it's through like uh, one of Ticketmaster's like sibling companies or child companies or something. And I put my credit card in and I go to hit enter and it says invalid credit card, try your numbers again. So I look at it and I'm like, okay. So I like type it all in again. And then nothing. So then I was like, well, shit, maybe I used my old address zip code, not my new address zip code. So then I do it again. And then you have the fear like, well, maybe I'm just broke. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is like the decline, the decline moment. So then I whip out a different credit card. Smart. Do that again. Same thing keeps happening. I'm like, this is so weird. 
to make a very long story short, I did three different credit cards. I ended up buying 14 tickets. <laughs> so every time there was an invalid, it actually went through. And I eventually, because everything just kept getting declined. So, because I kept trying the two different zip codes. So technically I entered it 16 times. So I would have bought 32 tickets if I wouldn't have done that. So the, I finally just gave up and was like, well, I guess I'm not getting to go to Garth because all my credit cards don't work and the world hates me. And then magically I got a notification from my bank that said, hey, fucker, your balance is negative. You have zero dollars. <laughs> did you mean to like, buy $1,400 worth of Garth Brooks tickets? I didn't, but apparently I did. I Like I apparently decided like, COVID, nobody around me. I'm just going by myself. No other cars allowed at the drive-in. But apparently there was some snafu on the processing side, clearly. I, I was smart enough to like take some pictures of the screen saying the invalid. Ah, that uh, was smart. Because I, I was communicating with another family member, letting them know that something hinky is going on and we might not get a, get a, get a go. But come to find out, there was 250,000 people trying to buy tickets at the same time on this like third party system that's not used to this demand and this happened to lots of people so the next day i got the email it's like sorry we charged your card for fourteen hundred dollars we're going to refund your money in 10 to 15 business days but i thought you'd enjoy the story of me spending all of my money on <laughs> drive-in tickets for Carth brooks so will you be left with your two cars yes they only they allowed like two to go through and the remaining 14 tickets or I guess 12 tickets were refunded. But I was trying hard. I was committed to go. If I would have had more than three credit cards in my wallet, I would have tried them all. <laughs> so it's, I am fortunate that I took some old credit cards out of, you know, cause when you become an adult, you try to be smarter. So I took the other, once you paid them off, I took the other credit cards and cut them. But if those babies would have been hanging out in my wallet, they would have been charged. Wow. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty great. So then I assume, so that 250000 that was for every drive-in, right? Because it was the same concert on the same day, but at different drive-ins? Yeah. At 300 drive-ins or around, I'm sure it's over 300 drive-ins around the country. And so, I mean, there was that many folks. So think if you, the amount of money that this guy makes is just astonishing. And it's a drive-in movie theater. But right. Well, and good for them. Like, now the drive-in movie theaters are getting their business. Well, they're going to be packed. I think the one close to Sioux Falls is doing distant. it. Yep, yep. The right Laverne. Yeah, they're, like, bringing – some are bringing food trucks and more booze in. and It's awesome. So smart. So smart. So that's my latest saga on Garth Brooks. That's... I, bought out, I bought out a drive-in. <laughs> Want to come along? I got a ticket. <laughs> Bring your family. Hell, bring half of Sioux Falls. Oh, that's, that's excellent. I'm glad you saved that so the listeners and I could experience that together. Well, I didn't want to save it. I wanted to tell you earlier, but somebody just Oh, but I didn't calls. call you back. Yes, yes. That's how this works. It's okay. I know that, you know, this weekend must just must have been a jinx because there were lots of people that had um, ticket problems, like trying to get tickets to certain events and stuff, particularly... <laughs> All of those people that Donald Trump expected to be at his rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
the one that he bragged about for weeks saying like nothing in politics has ever seen anything like this. And you're right because we've never seen <laughs> an entire 19,000 seat arena empty for a president. Um, so my first article comes from the guardian titled Trump played by K-pop fans and TikTok users who disrupted Tulsa rally, uh, which is written by Kenya Evelyn. Kenya goes on to talk about how K-pop and TikTok users, let's be honest, kids decided to outsmart the president, which is not difficult. It is not difficult to outsmart the president of the United States. But they, when Donald Trump's campaign allowed, you know, everybody to go out and reserve their tickets, these kids on these platforms took it upon themselves to go out and register and get tickets with no intention of ever attending the rally, 100% buying tickets to make sure that that venue was empty. And they succeeded to the point where Donald Trump and his campaign leading up to the event thought there was going to be a million people in Tulsa, Oklahoma that wanted tickets to see this crazy orange Cheeto talk. It's just mind boggling that they thought, I mean, there was a question by uh, a different journalist that asked Trump's um, press secretary why they would give out a million tickets to an arena that only holds 19,000 people. Um, There was no real answer for that, but they apparently thought there's 4 million people that live in Oklahoma. They thought a quarter of the people were all going to attend this rally. Um, But Kenny goes on to say that Trump's team was of course, incredibly upset. They blamed the lackluster crowd, which turns out there was only 6,200 people that actually attended. They blamed it on the media, of course, telling all these people that coronavirus was going to kill them, which I thought is an interesting thing since Trump and his supporters seem to believe that coronavirus isn't actually a thing. So I don't know. But they did also have to sign a waiver saying they promise (laughs) not to sue if they did get coronavirus. When I die, you can't sue me. But they... So they're blaming it on the media telling people that Corona was going to get them, even though them and their people don't believe Corona is a thing. Um, what, if you listen to anything of that president's speech, he called it like the Kung Fu flu. So, I mean, straight up racist. Then he blamed it on the Black Lives Matter protesters that blocked, blocked the metal detectors um, and prevented people from entering. So apparently there was... 10 million Black Lives Matter protests there to block out the other, you know, remaining 994,000 people that were trapped outside. But it was all of these kids, 18 to 22 predominantly, that took to their platforms, their K-pop, Twitter, and TikTok users, and registered with fake uh, Tulsa zip codes. They got their parents sometimes to go out and get tickets. You know, I saw it on TikTok because I have fallen in the TikTok black hole where they had all types of things about kids saying that they were, you know, go sign up for tickets, go get tickets, go get tickets. Why the Trump campaign had no idea that this was going on, I have no idea. Why, I mean, don't they know the ages? Because part of this and why they make you register for tickets is to capture your data so they know who to reach out to. So didn't they realize that like these people were young, that their names were made up. I mean, that's the other thing that I think is so brilliant about this is not only were they 
overly confident and saying that this was the restart of the president's campaign. Now all that time and energy and money they spent trying to get people to sign up to capture their data to use for you know the upcoming election is all invalid. None of it is usable. These Pretty kids great. are so smart. So this says it spread mostly through alt TikTok, which I I don't have a TikTok, although I do like it when other people put TikToks on Twitter. Uh, we kept it on the quiet side where people do pranks and a lot of a- activism. And then it says K-pop Twitter and alt TikTok have a good alliance where they spread the information amongst each other and they all know the algorithms and how they can boost videos to get it where they want, which just like blew me away. And it was so cute. And there were so many people on Twitter saying um, that these teens trolled the Trump uh, administration (laughs) or they pranked them. And other people were like, this is activism. This is actually a legit form of activism that they they didn't keep anyone from going because they didn't put a limit on the tickets as you said and so what they did though was um people were nervous about the crowds maybe and that's why they didn't come and you know people were camping out uh, for days beforehand and actually could have just walked in they had a second stage set up yeah for outside um, for like forty thousand people i think i saw yep and so then they <laughs> i read that they moved um, the crowd back so they could tear down the second stage while the Before other... Before the president um, even got there, they were tearing down the second stage. Awkward. Um, but I do want to take a moment to talk about K-pop uh, for our listeners. Um, so K-pop is short for Korean uh, pop music or Korean pop. And so when we talk about K-pop fans, K-pop is not a band, but it is a genre of popular music originating in South Korea. So it's not like this one band. It's not like Garth fans are um, one group of people. I, I just mean, thought that was interesting. Should be a, a Garth fan. Everyone should be a Garth fan. Um, but this is not the first time that K-pop fans or stands for longtime listeners of the pod uh, used their power for good um, in Dallas and uh, the end of May. It said, if you have, um, the Dallas Police Department tweeted, if you have video of illegal activity from the protests and are trying to share it um, with Dallas PD, you can download it to our iWatch Dallas app. And somebody tweeted, like, K-pop stands, download this app, flood it with your fan cams, which is videos of um, different K-pop acts. (laughs) And let flood the shit with fan cams. Don't let them see anything. And within 24 hours, Dallas PD had to take down their their app. Well, which, and uh, I think this is a trend that we're going to continue to see because clearly these kids know how to navigate this technology and can figure out the algorithms, which it talks mm-hmm. about that they are a, they know how to get it into the right people's hands, right? So the they can it can bypass all those boomers or um, my age people and go straight to the the folks that they know are going to listen and respond. Um, it also talked about the fact that they have used the same tactics basically when people were trying to co-op the Black Lives Matter pro- movement on like social media and stuff and do Blue Lives Matter, um, that they stepped in and flooded the hashtag <laughs> because they got the word out with characters and pictures of the Smurfs and Captain Planet, um, just basically other famous characters that were blue. That were blue. Um, so I think that this is going to be something that we – will continue to see and the reality is this will probably happen on both sides of the political uh, political aisle um, when we're looking at large crowd sizes. Um, so it is going to be something that the Trump campaign is definitely going to have to be aware at when they 
are trying to continue to hold these massive rallies and have this online ticketing platform, I think they just saw what is going to to happen to them. And, you know, during this speech in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which me and Michael, we hate watched it a little bit. Um, and of course, you know, he, he spent like 10 minutes like describing why he walked down the ramp at West Point the way he did. I mean, it was, obviously it's bizarre. Everything he says is dumb. But he, you know, tried to troll AOC and she trolled him back on Twitter saying, you just got rocked by teens on TikTok who tricked you into believing a million people wanted your white supremacist open mic enough to pack an arena during COVID. So apparently Donald Trump thought a million people were going to show up in Tulsa, Oklahoma to see him. Just bizarre. Like none, heard, none of the logic even makes sense that they, the campaign was trying to, to pedal. Well, when you have an outsized ego, it wouldn't, like, of course that many people want to see you, when I'm sure it didn't even, like, cross their minds. Uh, AOC goes on to say, K-pop allies, allies, we see and appreciate your contributions in the fight for justice, which I just <laughs> thought was so great. One of the things on Twitter that I thought was um, super funny, so it was a 19,000-seat arena, and um, different artists were saying how quickly they sold out that arena. And oh, so like great. Pink had like, I think I sold out that arena in five minutes. And then someone else was like, the Wiggles, you guys, the Wiggles <laughs> sold out that arena. And then it was just like, and they were talking about how like Fox News had uh, shots that were really tight in. So it looked like there yeah. was a crowd and CNN went wide. So you could see all of the. Just a sea of blue chairs. Yeah. And Jane just Lynch, hope- I saw she had a tweet and I, she probably retweet someone else so i didn't pay attention uh but it was just people yawning <laughs> i did see that i did see something like that where it like scanned to people oh that's where it was the the lincoln project which is a group mm, of republicans that run ads they came out with a 30 second ad that just made fun of trump for his his crowd size and when they scrolled through the audience um it was a bunch of people like sitting yawning by themselves nobody's just, there just great man, I don't have a good transition for this. I just, there was something on uh, Kello, which is our local CBS channel. I'm always really happy when you pick a, a publication. This is going to be a dig at South Dakota. Here it comes. Buckle your seatbelt, folks. Oh, always super I'm- excited when I get an article from any of the South Dakota publications, but specifically Kelloland or the Argus Leader. Because there's maybe like five words in a sentence and the font is really big, so I can read it in about 20 seconds. So, Ooh, that was way you. harsh, Ty. Um, actually, this is nothing you're going to be disappointed because we're going to talk about animal bites. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I got, I got nothing. It, uh, the hum- so, there was a, a dog that bit a six week old baby a couple weeks ago which is tragic. And, um, the baby died and the, um, humane society had the, the dog was euthanized at the request of the baby's family. And so Kello talked to the humane society specifically about a rise in animal bites, uh, that is related to social distancing. And I thought that was so interesting because I'm home with my dog alone. You're home with your dogs and my dog, I feel like she sleeps the same amount of time. She goes on more walks than she normally would if I wasn't home, but I think our life has stayed largely the same, and I just assumed that she loved me having uh, being home all the time. But she got some more time with you? Yeah, obviously. But the Humane Society here in Sioux Falls was talking about 
um, they have been handling more cases involving animal bites. And it's because families are homebound. And a dog that used to sleep 16 hours a day. Oh, sorry. This is Kello um, and Perry Groton did this report. Uh, a dog that used to sleep 16 hours a day is probably getting four 20-minute naps if there's three kids at home and two adults. And they just aren't getting their rest. And um, if they are constantly um, overstimulated with the kids and don't have their chance to be alone because no one ever leaves the house anymore, and um, that could turn into really dangerous problems. Um, they also said that pets are starting to act out uh, by tearing at furniture or other um, ways uh, to act out anxiety when their owners start returning to work. So when we all in the beginning thought this was going to be the world's best moment for dogs because we're all home, actually they are cranky in the hot weather, they're tired, and but they're also going to be upset when you go back to work. Totally. I thought this article was really interesting because, of course, I never really correlated with you being home more, everybody being home more that obviously pet bites would go up. I mean, I guess it, on the surface, it makes sense, right? Like you're around people more often for longer periods of time with your, I mean, like, okay, it makes sense. It's like saying that I'm going to snack. I snack more when I'm home. Got it. But it was, it was just really interesting to think about the sleep component and of how much sleep they get. Right. Cause we don't, I mean, unless you're like, my partner, Michael, who decides to put cameras in the house so you can see what the dogs are doing when he leaves. Um, you have no idea what your dog is doing. Yeah. If you are both home alone and you got three kids and everybody's playing and dogs also can pick up on your stress and anxiety. And if you spend a lot of time watching the news on what's going on in the world right now, my anxiety and stress is through the roof, which I don't think only then exacerbates what the animal is feeling. And so sometimes I'm crabby. I, I it's fair to say that sometimes the dog is too. And this tragic case that happened there with this six-month-old that got bit, the reality is some dogs just are not great with babies or, or little kids, and you don't really know that. And it's no real fault of the dog until they show up, and then, of course, you're with them all the time. Um, so it's just a really bad, perfect storm. Exactly. And that's why I thought uh, we would use our platform to spread the news about this because it was something like that had that never once occurred to me as a dog owner. Uh, and then the um, Corey Bade, who's the director of the uh, Sioux Falls Area Humane Society, does talk about um, what factors go into the decision to put the animal down. And obviously it's not something that they want to do or take lightly. And But it's a decision for the public and for their safety and for the family and so yeah. just a lot of things. So sad article, but really important for, to keep an eye on, keep an eye on your dog, give them some yeah. space. Give them some space. And as um, Carmen and I are both pit bull, do pit bull owners, I do want to point out that it wasn't a scary pit bull that bit the child or has seen the rise. It was a, a, a breed of like a German shepherd. So wasn't the pit bulls. Don't blame it on the pit bulls. That's right. Let's go get more drinks. Oh, good. So we learned that dogs are anxious and have pent up aggression and anxiety um, from COVID and being stuck at home. Apparently, that's also happening in New York City. The New York Post informed me um, by Mel Melcorica Lycia, um, titled How NYC's Hottest Sex Club 
is going is doing socially distanced orgies because apparently <laughs> there are been some frisky people in New York City that just need to get out some anxiety. Maybe they have to bite somebody. I don't know what they're into, but apparently there is there are these club. There's a a club, <laughs> an orgy club, which I haven't quite figured out how. Like I thought this was what brothels were, but. New York City doesn't have brothels, but they have an orgy club. I, I'm well, not quite sure is, how it works. Well, I, I mean, the difference between the sex club and the brothel would be a lack of paying your partner. That would be the first okay. thing I would think of. All right. So this, we'll get back because Carmen's going to be our resident expert on <laughs> sex clubs and orgies. But as a city, New York City is preparing for phase two, um, opening on Monday. This sex club, titled NSFW, not for not safe for work, it actually stands for New Society for Wellness, which sounds straight up like a special club from The Purge, like that the group of people. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they this is what they are. But they cannot wait for their clubhouse doors to open again. Um, and they have rolled out an assortment of new rules and regulations to help limit the risk of contact or contracting the coronavirus when you are in the middle of a huge orgy. So to take the risk out of the risque. This is actually a really cute article in the post. I laughed so hard when I found this because I thought she would enjoy it. But they had to figure out the safest way possible to do this. And one of the ways that they're doing that is oh. I want to start off with this. Apparently, the city also <laughs> issued some guidelines for group sex, including to do the deed in a well-ventilated area and keep alcohol-based sanitizers on hand. I want to know who in City so Hall, yeah. when coming up with the reopening plan, was like, God damn it, those <laughs> NSFW people, they need some guidelines for their orgies. Um, you know, I have two friends did. who work for the mayor uh, of New York City, so that maybe we can dig up uh, some follow-up information on that. We should. Apparently, one, some of the regulations or guidelines, excuse me, um, that have been drafted for additional safety precautions include mandatory temperature checks at the door, bringing a separate change of clean clothes in a plastic bag, which doesn't make much sense because they're coming from the same place where the clothes that you're wearing came from, but Okay. In a, in a plastic bag, you have to wear a mask, and NSFW has their own branded versions if you don't have any. Obviously, yeah. You have to wear gloves, like plastic, latex-free rubber gloves, using sanitation stations throughout the space, and of course, no new sex, which means you can't hook up with anyone besides the partner you came in with. So... If you are wanting to actually do one of the orgies, apparently you have to walk in with the group of like 50 people because that was the other thing I was surprised by. They are doing like 10% capacity, which means only 20 people can be there at the time. But this club and normal operating people has 200 people in there just bumping uglies. <laughs> so it's 300 square foot clubhouse. <laughs> 3,000 square foot clubhouse. Sorry, 3,000. Yeah. Um, so what they're talking about now with the, you know, 20 people and at the same time. Um, so you're going to play with the partner you came with. Um, right now it's about exhibitionism and voyeurism as opposed to uh, finding a new, another couple to play with or finding a single person. 
um, to join you for the time that you're at the club. I just think this is so interesting. Like, okay, here's a business that can open on phase two. And they're like, all right, great. So now we want to get our members back in. We want to, you know, how can we be really innovative and make sure that our guests are having a good experience, but also keep everyone safe. And I thought this was like, it makes a lot of sense. I thought they did a really it thoughtful makes job. No sense. This does not make any sense. I can't go to the goddamn movie theater, but we are having people like fucking all over the place looking at each other. And just as long as you wear gloves on your hands, you go at it. It makes zero sense. And it's like $25 to like become a member or $50 to become a member to stop into this place. So for people that want to go to New York City and I don't know. All right. Well, this says it's, it out. you have to submit a, a questionnaire that's reviewed. Um, but once approved, members must play a monthly membership of $20, which I thought was real cheap. <laughs> Honestly, for a members only club. I mean. Uh, they they want more members. They want more people there. They're, it's an orgy club. They they ain't gonna let. They ain't gonna limit the amount of people coming in. And they're talking about what they're doing a virtual event coming up, right? So they a can sextival. engage. They already they they oh, previewed yeah. a sextival. Yeah. Um, so I just thought, that, oh, well, there's another way that you know. I think Christy Nome would really approve of all of this. Our governor here in South Dakota. She because, probably would. She did not close down any of our businesses, but instead asked businesses to be innovative and entrepreneurial and to use facts and data and science and to yeah. uh, wash your hands. And so I feel like with the, the masks and the gloves and the sanitation stations, they are following, they could easily operate within the state of South Dakota. Is what well, I mean. I'm going to, there's a couple more points I want to talk about here just because this is wild. <laughs> It says, when you walk in, there are bowls of masks, a bowl of black gloves, and hand sanitizer, so everyone has access to it right away, because we ain't waiting. Basically, they, they're going to have that at the front door, so you can strip down and just get straight to it as soon as you walk in. And there is a performer named Kat. Her name is Kat, and she's a booty painting. She does a booty painting performance while people are apparently going at it around her. She covers her, her butt in paint and then sits on things or people, as well as makes flowers with her vulva. Sounds like a art show that I don't need to attend. Um, and usually Kat says it's, it's jammed with someone on the couch, passing a spliff, a couple are in the back having sex and there's lots of moaning, but right now that's not happening, but it's just nice to hear somebody getting spanked or the skin on skin touching so she's just thankful. Cat is thankful. Well, I think we all learned to count our blessings during this time of uncertainty. And she's just happy to be, I mean, if she's a professional dominatrix and fetish wrestler, uh, but all, I mean, also clearly a performance she also, artist. So she can also paint with her vulva. So, right. That would be the performance art piece, <laughs> I imagine. I feel like you missed your calling. Are you going to move? <laughs> Are you going to move? I can't get Carmen to ever move to a city, but like I mean, Carmen, I wanna... you can paint with your vulva, and they have they have guidelines. They have safe guidelines. I, that's more than we have over here. So See? I just all I want to do is Google go it. to go to a restaurant. Like I don't even 
like I'm not sitting here waiting for our local sex club to open up. Like I would just rather go to Parker's. I have to say, <laughs> Parker's is going to appreciate that you transitioned from <laughs> vulva painting to Parker's. Are we are we ready to move on? Are you? Do you need to talk about the That's the enough. sex club That's anymore? Enough. Okay, we can. I'm uncomfortable. So, <laughs> I I miss restaurants and uh, a lot of people miss restaurants actually. And there was this. Um, collection of essays in the New York Times called More Than a Meal. And it talks about when we lost, oh, and it's actually by a number of, obviously, collection of essays. So Ruth Reichel, um, who I've read a couple books by her, and she was a food critic in both New York and LA, and then also was the editor of Gourmet Magazine, um, Samantha Irby. I've talked about her before. She is um, writes a collection of feminist essays who's just lovely, Sloan Crossley, again, is an essayist. And then Alexander Chi, Adam Platt, Bill Buford, and Carmen Maria Machado, who I have not had the pleasure of reading any of their things yet, except for their piece in this article. And so when we lost restaurants, we didn't just lose places that fed us. You know, we lost the experience of eating out. We lost the experience of being with the servers that know us by name and we know them. We lost the friends that we would normally share these kind of experiences with. And so this collection is just different experiences that were very memorable to all of these authors in restaurants. And so Ruth talks about taking her eight-year-old son to Paris and how maybe, you know, eight-year-old boys aren't um, from America aren't really into Parisian cooking, uh, but he found a ton of friends and chocolate cake and French fries and was <laughs> incredibly happy. And then Samantha Irby talks about going to a mall and find, she went to a fancy mall for a fancy bar of soap and saw this huge line and dozens and dozens of people and everyone was clamoring to get into this part of the mall. And she was finally like, what is going on? And the person was like, we finally got a cheesecake factory. <laughs> she was like, am I really going to drive over an hour each way to wait in line for three hours to get food that I've already eaten before? Uh, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> and then she talks about how amazing that 72 page menu is and how oh, she it's could- daunting. Um, like and the cheesecake itself and the warm brown bread and it's just really fun and just made me nostalgic for when we'll get to go back to and then I just started thinking about you know Sioux Falls and going to the prefix dinner at Haskett's or the last time one of the last times you were in town uh, we went to Parker's and went crazy with bottles of wine and appetizer and dessert and meals and what a uh, like that whole experience was so fun in addition to like you have the ambiance and the food and the company and how restaurants are such a big part of our lives and how ideally we need to like we need to support them and, and uh, we hope that they continue to open back up and um, continue to make it well i think any more restaurants are just there are hangout spots right specifically our age group it's where we go to meet our friends. It's where, I mean, it's our, it's my event for the the week or the day. It's the, I don't go to a, to a baseball game or any of those types of things. You know, you go and you, you meet people at, at the restaurant and eat a meal and take two hours to finish it. And it's all the social interaction. So it is so much more than just perusing through the 72 page 
book at um, the Cheesecake Factory, it's they've really become our communal spaces. And we've, especially if you've went to found a spot that you claim is your own, you know, the, they kind of become an extension of your friend network or your quote unquote family. Um, so not only do you miss just getting the hell out of your house and debating what you're going to eat for dinner for the 17th time as you make tacos or a frozen pizza, you miss those people. You miss seeing those folks for that, that brief amount of time. It's just, you just kind of want to get back on track to, to how things were. And I think the reality that maybe we're not going to get back there anytime soon just makes me long for them even more. Well, we, we talk about uh, my birthday's coming up uh, next month. And when we kind of were like, okay, well, what should we do for my birthday? Um, I think both of us were like, can we please go somewhere and eat? <laughs> like, yes. how can we, can we make food and like specifically restaurant food a point, uh, like a big part of our celebration? Because it is something that we really haven't gotten to do. Um, there was a really cute essay in here, the Sloan Crossley one. She talks about like when you dine out in New York, you're bound to see celebrities. That's just kind of like how it is in New York. Um, but she and a friend see Amy Poehler um, out eating at the same restaurant they are. And the friend was like, I was like, what I, do you hope do? She's, I was like, I hope she said what <laughs> restaurant it was because maybe after we're done at NSFW, we can head on over and see Amy Poehler. Um, yes, she did. It's uh, Mirandi in the West Village. And so she was like, are we the kind of people who do anything? And so they like kept drinking wine and they're like, yes, we absolutely need to do something. And so they decided to send her some tiramisu and they told the waiter, like, just (laughs) tell her that we love her. Oh my God. So they sent over (laughs) their uh, dessert and it, they, the plan was to like for them to be gone by the time it came out of the kitchen. So they would just get this anonymous like dessert over at Amy Poehler's table. Cause they didn't want to like make a scene crazy fans. Right. Right. Totally. So, but it didn't like, it came out of the kitchen super fast. And so they, um, the waiter pointed at them and then Amy like <laughs> smiled and stood at them. Turns out not at all. Amy Poehler, barely the size and shape of Amy Poehler. <laughs> And they very awkwardly <laughs> sent dessert to someone else. <laughs> and uh, so then they like really tried to fake it. And they're like, well, you know, somebody we know actually knows this person. And so instead of lying and or instead of like fessing up and being like, oh, yeah, we thought you were Amy Poehler. They're like, no, we ha, ha, ha. instead of saying hello, like normal people, we'd send over <laughs> dessert. And then they very like quickly tried to get out as quickly as possible and that it was great it was so awkward and it's totally something that would happen to me yeah yep exactly amy polar doesn't even live anywhere near there check it out it's kind of fun Uh, someone else talks about like the being from the midwest like she always wanted to go to red lobster but her mom had one bad experience at a red lobster (laughs) and was uh, boycotted it for life yeah never gonna go and i was like yep "Yep, that's like that was me (laughs) just a lovely collection what would you what's your favorite restaurant in the city zach oh carmen that that is can you narrow it down that is hard well because i am one of those evil people that loves chain restaurants But I am now dating somebody who does not like chain restaurants. And to be fair, um, there are great, great local restaurants all throughout Minneapolis. So there's no reason that 
I need my parents are around to take me to all the chain restaurants, <laughs> humanly possible. They ain't going to know. They ain't going to know mom and pop shop unless I drag them there. So, God, it's hard. I really like the How in South Minneapolis on Minnehaha Avenue, which I believe I've I've taken you to. Um, and you got like waffle t- tacos, or I don't remember what the hell you got. You got something fancy. I also like the Lexington on Grand in St. Paul. Um, there's a Thai place called Ramit Thai in St. Paul that is my absolute favorite restaurant to go to for my birthday. I mean, now I just love everything. Thai place, and yeah. you've never taken me there. Oh, well, maybe you should come. Well, when are your restaurants opening up? Never, because we believe in science, and that's not allowed. We have to wait for the sex shop here in the cities to open up before we get our <laughs> restaurants going. What's your uh, favorite well, I... chain restaurant or restaurant in general? Was it Parker's? <laughs> are you gonna go with Parker's? Uh, for Sioux Falls, I would say Parker's, or I I do love uh, MB Haskett between their brunch and their prefix meals and that community. Like not only do I know um, the owner and half the people working um, it's Sioux Falls. You you just trip over everyone, you know, while you're trying to get to the back of that. And I think that's pretty fun. I'm trying to think of the restaurant that Sam takes me to when I go to the cities and I always think it's bachelor farmer and it is not. Well, they are closed forever. And that's a bummer. So, but I don't think that's the right one though. Well, Maybe you'll think about it in our parting thoughts. Uh, oh, the Thai place and the sex shop. So I do actually follow <laughs> one of the the Minnesota Minneapolis sex shops on Twitter. Um, you mean the, Sex World? No, Smitten Kitten. I mean, they're not having orgies in the back, I don't think, but they definitely have classes and toys, and um, they would be considered a retail shop, I imagine. Um, yes, I'm pretty sure they don't require black gloves at the entrance when you walk in. I just think you're really fixated on the black part, but I just think that's like, so they don't look like medical gloves. I don't know. Well, they're probably those like kitchen commercial gloves. I would imagine. I mean, those fingers are going places that you don't know what's going to happen. Well, don't touch your face. I think that's the last, the least of things <laughs> you got to worry about at, at NSFW. Speaking of restaurants and things that are going away, my parting thought falls on a similar trend since we, informed some of our listeners that the Native American maiden was leaving Land O'Lakes. I'm sure lots of people have also seen that Aunt Jemima syrup is is going to be done, as well as I believe they're taking Uncle Ben off of Uncle Ben's rice, which about time, again, why are we using these like racial stereotypes to promote on products that are owned and operated by white people? But if you're you're a collector of syrup bottles, Now's the time to get out there and get your bottle of Aunt Jemima before it is gone. I saw so, like the best cartoon of like Aunt Jemima like climbing off of her syrup bottle and walking back, and she's like, "About time." So are they totally, totally rebranding both of those products? Like change not just changing the label, but changing the name too. So Aunt Jemima sounds like it's just done. Like they are just doing away with it. I mean, maybe. Whoever, I don't know who makes Aunt Jemima syrup. Maybe they'll have a different syrup brand or they have something else in their portfolio. But it sounds like Uncle Ben's like rice, they're just going they're just gonna do a rebranding of it to be determined. What's your parting thought? I wanted to just take a moment and tell everyone that last week I said my sister Sarah and her husband are today show people. 
and I received a text setting the record straight. So they are actually Good Morning America people and not Today people, which just doesn't, I mean, it still doesn't make them CBS people. So that was kind of the whole point is that they don't watch Gail King and they should, but apparently I'm going to say Robin Roberts is their Gail King and like whatever. I am going to throw some ice on their on their feelings about this, but Robin Roberts is the worst. <laughs> I would rather listen to Hoda and Savantha Guthrie on repeat than have to hear Robin Roberts like give some fake schmoozy about Jesus and the Lord and being grateful for living. Watch her. After she went through cancer, shit got weird. Right, so I'm gonna get hate mail the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't isn't that Ryan and Kelly too, or Kelly? Yeah, Rippa? but they're like a syndicated show afterwards. It doesn't have to be on ABC, but yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, uh, here it comes. Bring oh. it on, Sarah. All right, uh, well, thanks everyone uh, for listening as we start on the next of our or the first of our next twenty episodes. Woo-hoo. All thanks right, for talk to with you later. Us. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Our Point. To stay up to date and for links of the articles that we discussed in this podcast, join us on Facebook and Twitter at Our Point Podcast. If you have articles that you would like us to discuss, feel free to tag us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can also email us at ourpointpodcast at gmail.com.